0: It's a real honour to open up God's Word today and allow it to speak to us. And today I'll be exegeting the passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and the first 11 verses. And this is the penultimate uh, message in this series. Next week, Nancy will be uh, closing off in this wonderful letter that is written to the church at Thessalonica, which has wonderful truths for us as God's people. And... It brings to us this word of encouragement to stand firm, to keep doing the good work, to keep Jesus central and as the example for us and our lives. Before I get into reading the scriptures, a couple of things to share with you. Uh, firstly, at the moment, we're, we're responding to what we believe is a whisper of the Holy Spirit to uh, be in ministry with people in different regions around South Australia. And this morning, Scott is meeting with some of the saints in Pinaroo. And Scott's got a long history with the small country town of Pinaroo. And he's meeting with them talking about what it is that we might be able to uh, do together in ministry in uh, Pinaroo. So uh, just a greeting to you gathered with Scott this morning, and we do pray that you'll sense the Holy Spirit breathing life into that ministry. And by God's grace, it could be that there's going to be other opportunities to reach into other places around regional South Australia, and uh, we want to uh, work with uh, different people in sharing the gospel in different regions. Uh, Secondly, I was at a presbytery meeting yesterday morning, and a colleague of mine, had worshipped with us last Sunday and was at this presbytery meeting. They were up in town for catching up with family who had come along to church here. And one of those things they said was that we just loved being with the Hope Valley Church family and the worship was authentic and real and humble and we just felt a real refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Now there's two things about that. It's not just the worship team, it's the unity of God's people together with the worship team praising God. And I want to thank you for really pursuing Jesus with that real authenticity and humbly coming before him. It's I was able to encourage another uh, colleague in the faith last week. So Thanks to our worship teams, right? Uh, Just incredible. And thank you for you for growing as worshippers. One of our first priorities to learn how to glorify God in that way. And finally, none of us are surprised that Katrina got us to 100 handbags of hope. Hey? If if anyone can do it, Katrina can. Uh, That's fantastic. And you guys will have a wonderful Sunday next week. I'm excited for you. Yeah, it's brilliant. Excellent. Let's open up the scripture from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through to 11. As Paul writes to this uh, church at Thessalonica, encouraging them in the Lord, staying firm in hope, and uh, starts to give them some final words. It's, he opens up a big idea, then he brings down some pragmatics for Christian living. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, You have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Paul opens this word right up and he says, you need to be aware of the times and the seasons. He's really talking about... Make sure that you're aware of what's going on. He's really saying, we are not to have a faith where you just bury your head in the sand, unaware of things, hoping that you might be able to retreat into an enclave, protected. No, you must be able to read what is going on around you. And he uses these words, the times and the seasons. Now he does say, you have no need to have anything written to you because he's already said it to them. And you think, well, thanks a lot, Paul. Paul would have been nice if you'd shared that with us. Wouldn't that have been good if the things that you already shared, you'd given us some insight into that and might have given us more to work with. But obviously he had shared with them about the times and the seasons that they were experiencing. He had talked about the context. Now their context had a little bit to do with the fact that they were a young faith a community that they were experiencing, some pressure, some persecution and he was imploring them to stand firm. Now in our culture. There's also times and seasons. Now, times in the Greek is chronos. It talks about that chronological time. It talks about the immediacy of time. Right now, we are in a moment. Time is present and God is present in this moment right now and God is at work. And then the seasons, which talk about the characteristic of that time, it stretches out. So it's not just, uh, it can be a various length of time. A season. Now it could be that when you reflect on this, you personally might be going through some sort of season and you're aware of how time is impacting that. For example, you might go, you know, at the moment we are going through a season of blessing. You might think, you know, in my life it just feels like the grace of God is flowing so freely, everything I come into contact with is just so beautiful and wonderful and it's a season of blessing. And I say, if you're in a season of blessing ride that thing all the way into the shore until the sand's scraping your face off, right? Enjoy it. But then you go, you know what? There's other seasons, aren't there? There are seasons where you go, you know what? It just seems like it's in a season of trial. And I wish that season would be over. But you know, God is active in that as well, bringing His presence and His goodness. And, and sometimes we learn so much through a season of trial. Could be that you need to understand what season you're in. But then, of course, on a broader scale... There are seasons, the times in which we live. At the moment, we're going through a season of the pandemic. We, we, we want to have a sense of when it will end, but that's kind of got a fluid ending to it, right? How that will look, but it's a season. In all that too, there's an even bigger season. We talk about climate change. What's the season around that? Or if you start looking at geopolitics, is there a changing season of superpowers within our world? It's, it's a season which we are to try and in, understand, Paul writes, now concerning the time and the seasons, he says, be aware of them, learn about them, because in that then you can see and interpret how God might speak in to that. He really is saying, listen, don't just borrow yourself away. Have a big perspective. And he goes on, he says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What Paul is talking about is that is a couple of things. Firstly, he's talking about a time when everything will come to fullness and completion in God. The scriptures are clear that there will be a time when everything is reconciled in its fullness to God. Either Jesus will return, the world will be destroyed, and everything will be caught up. Those who believe will be caught up into the air, into a faith, and made right with God. And it does say here that those who don't believe. There's a reckoning for them as well. Very difficult scripture to get around. But Paul is clear that there will be a time of the day of the Lord. Often we just think that that is just a future event. But there's also the thing that we are living in the day of the Lord now. Because when Jesus came, that was the day of the Lord. And in that, it opened up a new move of God's work and spirit within the world. And so we are living in those last days in this time frame as well and the spirit is going breathing visions and breathing dreams into people and we can sense the spirit at work moving us forward ushering in the kingdom of god so the day of the lord is also is both a real future ending but also something which we are living in today as believers and it will incorporate something of judgment a calling of god's people now the difficulty what we have here in this text is that Paul uses pronouns to really make it clear as to how this day of the Lord is going to impact people. When he's talking about those who are believers, he uses the words like "we" and "us." When he's talking about those who have no belief, he uses words like "them" and "they." Now, I want to make this make this really clear with you. I struggle with the fact that God will take those who believe and leave those for destruction, those who don't believe. I, I, I just, I struggle with that. Uh, okay, is that, Lord, okay, let me get my head around that because to be honest with you, I, I, you know, I love all people. I, I want all people to know Jesus and I, and I love to connect with all sorts and we live in secular Australia where there's a lot of people who don't have any belief and I'm going, there's a lot of good people around Really, how does this sit here? And I have to wrestle with this text of what it means that some will be brought into the fullness of God and others will go into a sudden destruction. Because it says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labour pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. They will not escape. And so here we have Paul just highlighting again that there will be a time of reckoning. Now, this is what some believers wrestle with. They look around and read the seasons and the times and they go, you know what? It looks like it's all coming to an end pretty quick. They go, the pandemic, the globe, whatever's going on, it looks like the day of the Lord is imminent. Now all we need to do is sit and wait. I'm right. I believe. I'm going to be all good. And you know what? This has been the case throughout church history. Even recent, I mean in the 80s, there was a fair bit of talk about the rapture. You look all the way back and you can see that believers thought, yep, things are so bad, the day of the Lord is imminent. And they actually take a fatalistic approach. I'm just going to sit and wait. And God says, that's actually not the place. That's not what we're going to do because the actual fact is you do not know when that day will be, because it will come like a what? Thief in the night. Now, one thing which I do like about Christmas is that generally they play the movie Home Alone. (laughs) Who's seen Home Alone? Who's seen it more than four times? Who's seen it about 10 times? It's what, and it's a terrible movie, but it's so funny. The base premise of it, right, is there's a young boy, he's left at home by his family who have got all these other kids, get distracted, and he's left at home and he overhears two bumbling burglars who want to break in to their fancy house. And because he overhears that, he sets up one trap after another. He's all prepared. He's all ready. Because he knows. Those burglars don't stand a chance. The day of the Lord, we are to be prepared, but we don't know when it's going to be. So what we are meant to do are simply to be people who are prepared, but we are active in our faith. And there will be a time when that all comes together. And so Paul writes this church at Thessalonica, he says, okay, we don't know when it's going to be. Alright, these are the times and the seasons in which we live, but I don't want you to wait around thinking that you can predict it all. I want you to be a people who are living right. I want you to be a people who are kind of actively prepared. I want you to be a people who are holding firm on your faith because there's a lot to live in, and there's a lot of what God wants to do and I want you to enter into what God has for you because He has an amazing plan. And so, in the next verses, Paul outlines what it is to live in that way. And he firstly says, Live as children of the light. Live as children of the light. You are not to be people of darkness, you are not to be people who want to hide in the shadows. You are children of the light. I love that. Firstly, the fact that God calls us children, adopted into his family. And secondly, we are to live Christ-like, in the light of Christ. Now, what's it mean to live as children of the light? Well, firstly, it means to renounce the dark things that might be in your life, to let the light of Christ in. You know those things, those areas where you go, you know what? That needs to be redeemed by Christ. That is a little shadow on my heart. That's a little dark moment which I need to let Christ into. You renounce the darkened life. Secondly, you allow your mind to be renewed by the things of God, to think of the things of God. The Scripture says also to live children of the light, to clothe yourself in Christ. It's this beautiful image that we can become more like him. And then all of this should reflect Christ. I think one of the difficult things for us to grapple with is that often we teach what we know, but we forget to understand that we will reproduce who we are. That people pick up who we are and what we reflect. And we are to walk as children of the light so we can reflect that light. I think we are in a time or a season where light is wanting to be reflected so powerfully into our culture. And there are moments that we don't want to miss where we can reflect the light of Christ as we walk as children of the light. Yesterday afternoon in one of our basketball games, uh, it was a tough game for one of our teams, one of our girls' teams. And they came up against another team which was full of district players and That team played with a certain, I guess, arrogance, which I find difficult. It's one thing to win. I'm okay with that. It's another about how you win, right? And our girls tried so hard and they had worked really hard all the way through the game. They never gave up. And this team were kind of laughing and being disrespectful as they pulled away on the scoreboard. Not only that, one of our players pulled a hamstring and was in quite pain. So there they were feeling disrespected, they were feeling a bit down, and then there was an injury was there. At the end of the game, the coach gave a great word saying, I'm so proud of the way in which you girls kept your head up high. And there, there were a few tears after this game even. It was, it was that kind of difficult, right? And... And then one of the players with this injury was just feeling really low. And right there in the middle of the court, one of her teammates forgot all about what had just happened and came up to her and said, can I pray with you? In the middle of the court, with the other team still having their fun, with the court supervisors all around, the rest, And she put her hand on her shoulder and some of the other teammates gathered around And she prayed, Lord, thank you for my friend. Thank you that she loves basketball. Thank you that we could play today. Thank you that you are a healing God and I pray that you'll be able to hear her leg." I couldn't give a stuff about the basketball game after I saw that. And I thought that is the most perfect way in which the light of Christ is reflected You have a faith which needs to shine forth. It shouldn't be hidden under a basket. You have a light that you can share. And there are moments where you can simply share that light of Christ and pray or act in a way which reproduces the one that you follow. Don't miss your moments. That is the adventure of faith. Now it goes on and it says, Keep awake and be sober. Do not fall asleep. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Paul, as he writes this to the church at Thessalonica, to those Thessalonians, he's saying, Really, do whatever you can to keep a clear mind. He says, Look, yeah, substances, that will foggy it up. But there are also things which can cloud your mind. Anxiousness and fear, the complexities of life. What is it that you need to clear up? Think through that a little bit because we are to keep sober, ready and poised as God's people. And then Paul goes on he writes this, and then put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Now Paul comes in and he uses the imagery of a sentry on watch it's someone who is there in a place and they are in a protective, on watch situation. Now the breastplate is what was put on a century and that was to protect that which was important. That was the vital organs, the heart, the lungs, kidneys and so on. They say put this on because you need to protect your faith. You need to protect your heart. In a world which is full of confusion, be sure of what you believe in and protect that as much as you can. And then put on the helmet the hope of salvation. It says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, sometimes we think that what we've done means that we are on a headline course to experience the wrath of God. And some of us in our twisted thinking think we deserve it. And God says, no, you are not destined for the wrath of God, but you are destined for salvation. The hope of glory. The God who restores you. The God who makes you right. And He wants the salvation to be for all people. I think the reason why God hasn't come yet and restored all things, the day of the Lord hasn't fully come, is because God is patient. He wants as many people as possible to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And my question to anyone here today do you know if you're saved? Do you know if you're saved by Jesus Christ our Lord? Do you know the hope of the salvation that that brings? Do you know that you are not destined for the wrath of God, but salvation in our Lord Jesus Christ? And I pray that if you don't, that this morning you receive Jesus Christ as good news to you to trust Him with your your life and to receive and to invite Him in to be your Lord and your Saviour. Now, Paul starts to write this up, wrap this up. He said, The one who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. We cannot lose. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Sometimes the scripture just makes things really, really simple. We get so caught up in how we're seen, what's going on, whether we get it all right. And here he says, simply encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You know, God has you in places where you are to shine his light. God has you in places where you are to minister in his name. And then for us to do that, we need spaces where we can simply be encouraged and build up. It's love in action. Uh, about four or five times a year, I meet with uh, a few men in our church. We meet early on a Thursday morning at 6:30 a.m., and we have a coffee and we gather together. And these men have high responsibility in their work, manage big budgets, have staff teams, have to give strong leadership. And we gather together and we meet. And we talk a little bit about leadership, but mostly what we do, mostly what we do is we encourage one another. We say, you're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. We believe in the influence that you're making. What you're doing is the right stuff. How can we help you? We build one another up just as we see God build us up. And so Paul simply concludes that part of the scripture. He says there will be a time in the day of the Lord where everything will be reckoned up to him. But then don't don't get to a place where you are just waiting for that. Live prepared as children of the light. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the challenge of your word But we thank you, Lord, that it's come as it's been carved through the experiences of Paul as a follower of you. He knows that this is all possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we do long for that time where everything will be made right in you. We thank you that even in this we live in the day of the Lord because you are active by your spirit in this time and in this season. Lord, I pray that you'd give us discerning minds and hearts to read the times that we're in. But Lord, I pray that we won't sit and just wait, but you would continue to stretch out your hand of invitation and draw us into the great mission to live as children of the light with clear minds, obtaining our salvation, encouraging one another, building each other up. And Lord, in all of this, by your grace, may you call more of your sons and daughters to be saved through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Lord, may it come from being both the word that we hear to the conviction of our hearts that we might live in this way for we have an eternal hope which encourages us to live for you. We give you thanks in all things. We praise your holy name. We live for you alone. Amen. Friends, this morning as we conclude our service, we're going to play one of the songs which we recorded a few weeks ago and I want us to use this as an opportunity to just let the Holy Spirit move in your life Maybe in your heart, in your mind. It could be that you're going, you know, when you're talking about darkness, kind of, and there's some stuff which I want the light of Christ to shine into. Or it could be you're going, you know what, life's just been pretty hectic. I just want to breathe a moment and let myself be in God's presence. Or it could be that you sense some sort of conviction. Maybe you're going, you know, I want to place my life in Jesus' hands and come to faith. As we sit with this song, just let the Holy Spirit work within you.